We've been studying the uh, Lord's Prayer and how we're, we're focusing on specific elements of the Lord's Prayer to teach us how to pray. Disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he said, this is how you should pray. And he taught them the Lord's Prayer. Now, notice he didn't say, this is what you should pray. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying it. We pray it every Sunday here at Bayside. And I pray it every day of my life, the Lord's Prayer, because it's just a beautiful prayer. But it's not so much just repeat these specific words as glorious as they are, it was more about this is how to pray, not what to pray. So we've been looking at it trying to discover what or or how we should pray. We've been taking different elements. Uh, We started out with the uh, idea of our Father, God being our Father and and, and how uh, being aware of that relational aspect of God in our lives is the first step in prayer. God is your Father. He wants to bless you. He cares about you. He loves you. Okay, you don't have to beg and scream and cry and holler as, as though he's some uncaring creature out there. He cares about you. Secondly, we talked about the next part, our Father who's in heaven. To understand that God has a perspective you don't have for your life. And because of that, you can trust him. He can see things you cannot see. He can see the end from the beginning. Every step you take, every new venture that you make, if you will constantly bring those things to God in prayer and say, Father, make my path straight. Guide and direct me. Help me go in the right direction. You can trust that God's hand will be there through circumstances or by His Spirit or directing you from scriptures in in, in the Word, all of the things that we've talked about. This is how God can direct your life. And you can trust God because He knows what's best for you. Even though sometimes we don't like it. How many of you know, those of you who have little children, at times you tell them things they don't like. But it's still the best thing for them. If your kids want to go play in, in the middle of the highway, that's, that's bad. You don't want to let them do that. But I want to, I want to. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay? Uh, and by the way, parents, get a backbone. Alright? You can stand up to your kids particularly your teenagers. But I trust my teenagers. If you trust your teenager, you are an idiot. (laughs) Anybody who blindly trusts a teenager needs medication. (laughs) For crying out loud. This is some of the most difficult times of their life and the most amount of temptations and stuff. You need to stand between your kid and hell. And when you do that, there's going to be conflict. And don't freak out because there's conflict. Tough it up. Suck it up. You will not die, neither will they. You're going to feel like you're going to die at times. And don't let them guilt you out. You don't trust me. You don't trust me. You should say, shut up. You're a teenager. Nobody trusts you. (laughs) Who trusts them? I mean, come on. I'm getting off track here. side sermon then we talked about the part hallowed be thy name talking about an attitude of praise praising and celebrating what God has done in your life and more importantly what I was trying to stress is to celebrate what God is going to do in your life before he does it this is the epitome of faith this is the essence of faith when you can begin to celebrate your answer before you have it 
This is faith. This is what gets God's attention. When you, in the midst of your most miserable circumstances, start celebrating for God, say, God, I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I know you're going to turn this around. This is great. This is wonderful. The check's in the mail. Thank you, God. Even though nothing's changed, that's faith. That's what gets God attention, God's attention. And you need to get into a place like that. You know, praising God just for when something goes good. Oh, man, the heathens can do that. Big stinking deal. Or whining when things go bad. Well, everybody does that. Can you celebrate when things are going bad? Is the question. Can you celebrate your answer before you get it? That's what we were talking about. Uh, And now tonight, the part that we want to focus in on next is the phrase that says, Your kingdom come. So we haven't really gotten yet to really pray about what we want to pray about yet. We're starting out focusing on God and focusing on his kingdom. Before we start praying for our interests, what Jesus is teaching us in how to pray, before you start praying for your interests, you need to start putting God's interests first. Indeed, it is the very key to getting God to take care of your interests. Does that make any sense? By being more concerned, by by putting his interests first, this is how you can get your interests met. Instead of just focusing on me, 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 me all the time. Start focusing back to God. God, what are the things you care about? What are the things that you're concerned about? And pray and push those things forward. Matthew the 6th chapter verse 31. Pretty familiar verse of scripture. Jesus said, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. The uh, annual running of the pagans is coming up shortly. The uh, the day after Thanksgiving is the annual running of the pagans in America. It's, it's quite the sight to behold. If you haven't seen that, go down to your local shopping mall uh, this Friday and and witness the running of the pagans. It's 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 slightly more dangerous than the running of the bulls in Spain um, because they will kill you. All right and. Uh, these people just running everywhere for, for what they want. <laughs> and, and these stores, these stores open at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. <laughs> I think to myself, who in the world is going to be in line at 5 a.m.? Don't raise your hands. Because <laughs> I don't want to hate you. But... Uh, you know, man alive, you either really want what they got or, or you need a life, seriously. At 5 a.m., shopping for knickknacks and nitwits and whatnots. And, uh, you know, this whole thing recently. Have you seen in the news of people in lines for days trying to get the new video game and fighting and knocking each other around and stuff? These people need a life. Days for a video game. I wonder if they'd stand that line long in line for a job. Come on. Now I like video games, but some of you boys need to grow up. 22, 24, 28 years of age. About the only real skill they have in life is playing video games. This is sad. Somebody say amen. 
day in the morning. <laughs> Another side sermon. I'm never going to get through this tonight. <laughs> the pagans run after all these things. <laughs> and your heavenly father knows that you need them. I mean, he, does, he knows that you don't need to run after it like a pagan. But then he says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Now this scripture is usually used to teach about money. But Jesus is not talking about money. This is not really a money scripture. Now you can use the principles here about money. I may from time to time about being concerned about God's concerns first so that he can bless you. But it's not so much about money. Everything's not about money in the church all the time. Someone today asked me, Pastor, do you know what everybody gives in the church? And I, I said, no. I said, don't you check? I go, no. I said, why not? Because I don't want to hate you. Because I... I don't, <laughs> I'm just teasing. I don't really hate you. But you know, that stuff messes with me. If I know you give $1,000 every week and you give a dollar every week, my temptation is going to be to be nicer to you. It will. I mean, that's just natural, right? This guy's giving 1000 He only gives a buck. You know, how you doing? How you doing, brother? Good to see you. All right? I don't want to do that. And I'm not going to do that. Every time I shake one of your hands, I think this guy's got a million bucks. No, I'm not. It's really not about money. I just... But I don't, I don't phrase people up based on what they give or what they do not give. I don't want to know. Pastor Lathan, he'll probably know, so watch him. But, uh, but, uh, but I don't want to know. Alright? What is the scripture really talking about? It's talking about pursuing God. Looking for God's interests. Looking for the kingdom of God. Seeking the kingdom of God first. Seek. Look. Pursue. Be aware. What is God doing around you? Because see, the pagans, what they're constantly aware of is, is, is what are we going to eat? <laughs> what are we going to wear? <laughs> Do I look okay, by the way, tonight? I dress myself. <laughs> it's usually dangerous. When my wife's out of town, <laughs> you know, my daughter, she's here. Stand up, sweetheart. Wave at all the people. They don't know who you are. Come on, stand up, stand up! <laughs> Isn't she beautiful? Just like her daddy. And uh, usually when she's gone, you know, it's bad news. My, I remember I'd get dressed in the morning and I'd start heading out and, and my daughter would just take one look at me and go, Mom! <laughs> You're not going to let him go out like that, are you? I said, what am I, Swiss cheese? They weren't even talking to me, just talking about me. But anyway, you know, what are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? What are we going to do? All day long. And I'm telling you, if you get caught up into that, you will become totally oblivious to God working in your life. And that's what he's saying. Stop it. Stop it. Stop walking around in the state of worrying about every little thing and so caught up in the details of your life that you forget to look for the hand of God. Look for the hand of God. Don't be oblivious to what God is doing. Are you actively looking for God's hand? Or are you running around consumed by your own life, your own concerns, and be a, being oblivious to what God is trying to do in your life? There is this phenomenal story in the Old Testament about a prophet named Balaam. He was a real screwball, this guy. And just a squirrel, and got himself in all kinds of trouble. But here is a guy who, um, uh, he has this donkey... And he's riding this donkey along. And all of a sudden the donkey can see this angel. 
who is there basically to kill Balaam. Balaam doesn't see it, the donkey sees it, and the donkey freaks out. And, and, and Balaam gets mad and starts beating the donkey, and then the angel moves down the, down the road, and then uh, the, you know, they start moving forward, and the, and the donkey sees the angel, and he freaks out, and Balaam doesn't understand, he starts, starts beating the donkey. Um, Don, start at verse 26 here. It's, uh, Numbers 22, verse 26. It says, Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead, this is the third time now, and stood in a narrow place where there's no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. He was angry and beat her with a staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. God spoke through a donkey. Which means there's hope for for you. And me. God, you can use a donkey, he can use us all. But he opens the donkey's mouth and the donkey talks to Balaam and says this, What have I done to you that you beat me these three times? And the next verse I think is one of the most comical verses in the Bible. Because the first part says Balaam answered the donkey. (laughs) Here is a man, he is so angry he engages in conversation with a donkey. Now, I got to tell you, I can get as irritated and ticked off as the next guy. But if I am riding a donkey, and I'm yelling at the donkey, and the donkey starts talking to me, I'm out of there, dude. I just, ah! You know, I'm not talking to the donkey. Here is a guy who is so in a state of obliviousness, so full of anger, so all he wants to do is get to the next place. I gotta get to the next place. I gotta get to the next place. I gotta get to the next place. Then he starts howling at his donkey and starts talking to the donkey. He's so mad. Doesn't even realize what he's doing. He answers the donkey, You've made a fool of me. <laughs> I don't think so. You made a fool of yourself. He said, If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. Then obviously, if, if you read the story, then finally Balaam, God opens his eyes and he sees, whoa, 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 because here's this angel ready to kill him. Are we like that? Are we running around so oblivious to God moving? Obviously, this is a God bad moving kind of thing. He's there to kill the guy. But I mean, are we so oblivious to God moving in our lives that we don't hear anything? We don't see anything. We start talking to cats and dogs and critters and stuff because we're just so into our lives that we're becoming oblivious to stuff. And, and we all have this temptation. I, I, I have to admit, I have this temptation. I do. But it, particularly in one area in my life. It's, it's if when I go out into in the world where the pagans are to shop. And, uh, and, and there's just a few places that make me crazy. Like going into a cell phone store. I, I, I want to lose my salvation going into cell phone stores. Be, because they are incompetent. And they are nitwits. And you can stand there for an hour and a half. Waiting to talk to someone who has no idea what he's talking about. This makes me crazy. And, and seriously, it really, I have to, you know, I, every time I go in, I come out and I have to repent. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I wanted to kill that guy. I wanted to kill that guy, you know. And, you know, but I'm telling we all have buttons that get pushed in us. You know what I'm saying? I have it too and stuff. Everybody's got their areas and trust God to grow through it. But by and large, we need to wake up. Pay attention 
don't get so freaked out because sometimes in our anger and our frustration and our being caught up, we can miss opportunities for God to move in our lives. And the reason I repent, you know, if I get into a situation like that, you know, and somebody just rattles me, and then I feel bad later because I think, oh man, because I know better. Maybe I had an opportunity to say something to this guy, you know, because sometimes God will give you opportunity to change people's lives. If you just quit focusing, sometimes we get so myopic, and I get like that, and I just, ah, ah, and I walk into one of these stores, I'm like, you know, and, and we've got to stop and realize there's more out there than what we see. Are you hearing me? There's more out there than what you see. God is at work. Experience God. Look for God. Some of the coolest experiences of my life is when I actively just sit back and look for God. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm stuck in an airport. Airport heights. You know, I I've been spending over the last two years, three years, almost 20 hours a week on planes and in airports. You know, going to these seminars. It, I'll tell you, it really gets old. You know, our ministry's finally getting an airplane. It's not a real big one, but it's going to beat the dickens out of sitting in those stupid airports, I'll tell you that. And thank God for that final breakthrough in, in that, that end of that ministry. But, uh, um, um, you know, I'm in this airport, and, and I'm looking. And I'm looking around. I'm thinking to myself, you know, these people just need God. You ever feel that? You ever sit back and just look and you think, boy, these people need God. Now, I thought to myself, I should talk to somebody about God. And, uh, and I'm leaning up against this, this, this phone, you know, and uh, phone booth. And, and, but I thought, you know, I don't, you know, it's just too weird to go up in the middle of a thing and say, hi, you want to know Jesus? You know, just, just how do you get that going? It's, they look at you like you're completely nuts. And, and, uh, and I'm thinking, and then I prayed. I said, Lord... Send somebody to me. Bring me somebody so I can talk to about your love. I want to talk to somebody about your love. And the phone rang. <laughs> and it rang again. And I'm looking around, the phone's ringing. So I, I pick up the phone and I said, Hello? And, and she says, yeah, is, is Johnny there? I, I said, no, Johnny's not here. I, I'm here. She says, oh, really? Who are you? I said, well, I'm, I'm Mark. Well, I said, oh, what you doing? She said, I don't know. I'm stuck here at work. And I was going to talk to Johnny. I said, well, I'd love to talk to you. She says, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> so I, I, start, I start talking to this lady about how much God loves her. And how she can know God. She'd never heard anything like this before in her life. She's at work. Calling Johnny. Whoever he is. And, and I finally asked the question. I said. Have you, have you ever asked God into your life? Have you ever asked Jesus to come into your heart? She says. No I haven't. I said. Would you like to? She said. Yes I would. So I said. Would you pray with me? She said. Sure. So, so we prayed. And, and, uh, and she asked Jesus in her heart. Right then there on the phone. And. She says, oh, this is great. Thank you so much. I said, sure. <laughs> and, and I hung up the phone. And a friend comes walking. I says, I said, you're not going to believe what just happened. He says, what? I said, I, I was, I, I just led somebody to Jesus. Really? Who? No, no, it was on the phone. <laughs> really, what happened? I said, I was leaning against this phone. And I said, 
Lord, send me somebody to talk to. And when I said that, for, I, as God is my witness, when I said that to him the second time, I prayed, that God said, the phone rang again. I'm not making this up. I prayed with that person to get saved too. Was, I mean, just, you just don't know what God can do in your life. But if you're just walking around mad and just caught up in your own and not aware of opportunities that God can give you, you miss stuff. We all do this. I understand this. It's not a condemning thing. I do it from time to time. But all I'm saying is let's encourage ourselves to be aware of God's kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not everything you see is what's going on. There's other opportunities in your life. Some of the opportunities we don't even want, God does great things in our life. Not too long, early, early, earlier this year, I was, uh, I was at a, uh, a banquet speaking. And, uh, uh, and, you know, we don't ask for a lot. You know, I'm not a prima donna, you know, and I need all this stuff. You know. There's just a few basic things that I need so I can talk to these couples that come to listen to me speak. And I get there, they got nothing. Everything's messed up. I, I am irritated like you cannot believe. I am so angry. I'm ready to start talking to a donkey angry. All right? I, I'm talking to my office. I am chewing them up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I, you know, I'm just kind of losing it. You know? And so anyway, oh, I, I almost, I was so, I, I don't think I've ever done this before. I was so angry. I was going to tell him, see, I'm not dumb dude. I'm doing this. You know? I can explain to you later why, but who cares? But it was all just messed up. And, and, uh, but I thought, no, no, just be nice. Just be nice. Breathe, Mark. Breathe. Be nice. And got up and shared and think. And it was, in my opinion, the one of the most horrifying experiences of my life. Hated every second of it. Finally got off the stage and thought, thank God that's over. A few months later, I meet this guy and his family, wonderful people, who, uh, who get super involved in our ministry. They are one of the major supporters of our separate marriage ministry. And you understand what I'm talking about, the marriage ministry. It's not the church, okay? We don't mingle all that stuff together, crazy and stuff like that. Um, it's a separate thing, but he's one of the major supporters of that ministry. And, and I asked him one day, I says, how did you find out about us? How, how did all this happen? He says, oh, I was at that one bank. And he described this banquet that I wanted to kill somebody at. And I thought, whoa, am I glad I did not get upset and freak out at that deal I was upset but I didn't freak out because here was a wonderful opportunity to connect with somebody in a situation because you don't know what God's doing God could be opening all kinds of opportunities for you if you'll just slow down a little bit look around sometimes we just need to breathe and relax some of the greatest opportunities for miracles understand this some of the greatest opportunities for miracles come in the ugliest packages how many of you here would love to see a miracle in your life? Let me see your hand. Okay. That's the good news. The bad news is you're going to need to have a miracle. Right? I mean, some of the coolest miracles in the Bible that we celebrate. Put it in context. Daniel in the lion's den. You know, wasn't that a cool miracle how God closed him up? Yeah, but you had to get thrown in the lion's den first. We talk about the four Hebrew children. What a cool three, three Hebrew children. I can't add. Uh, three Hebrew children. God was the fourth one. Then they got, you know, how God uh, saved them. They walked around in the fire. That's the good news. The bad news is you get thrown in the fire first. They didn't know for sure they were coming out of that deal. 
In fact, they, they even said, look, even if God doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow to your stupid idol. They didn't know for sure. Lots of people have lost their lives standing for what's righteous in the kingdom of God. For all they knew, they were going to be burnt toast. But God does this incredible miracle. What? In the, sen- in the, in the middle of great need. We talk about you know, Paul and Silas being beat severely and, and God coming in, in this earthquake and setting everybody free. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, but first you get arrested and get that snot beat out of you. Right? We talk about Lazarus being raised from the dead. How cool is that? It's great. But the bad news is you got to be dead first. <laughs> right? We want miracles. Yes, we want miracles. Yes, and then something goes wrong. <laughs> and we freak out. And we whine and we collapse and come unglued. God, why did you let this happen? Why? Because you said you wanted a miracle. <laughs> you have to understand. God does miracles in people's lives to meet needs. He's not a magician. He's not trying to entertain people. He's not trying to make you think, gee, how cool am I that I can do this? He meets the needs of people. When you get into situations where you need miracles, they come in the ugliest packages imaginable. It might be someone telling you, you're you're bankrupt. We're going to foreclose on your house. This is the setting for a miracle. It might be a doctor telling you, you know, you have cancer. You have about a year to live. There's nothing we can do. This is the opportunity for a miracle. When things go badly in your life. When things are in it, it's worst. This is the opportunity. These are the settings for God to move if you don't panic. If you don't freak. If you don't cry and whine and blame God. Look for God's hand. Look for the opportunity to experience faith and experience God's moving in your life. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek. Look, look, look. Quit staring at all the circumstances. There's so much more going on that you cannot see. Deuteronomy says this, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with your whole heart and with your whole soul. You'll find him if, if, if you look with your whole heart. God, where are you? God, where are you? God, where are you? Do you ever feel like that? You ever be, God, where are you? Well, there's the God, where are you whining and then there's a God, where are you? I know you're here. Where you at, God? <laughs> Come on, I know you're here somewhere. And, and you start seeking. You have to understand, God loves to play hide and seek. He does. Over and over in the Bible, it talks about seeking God. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you see, he loves to play hide and seek. But he plays the game so that you will find him. So that you will win. If I'm playing hide and seek with with one of my two-year-old grandchildren, I don't run into the basement and cover myself with boxes. (laughs) They're not going to get it. They're going to give up. You know how you play hide and seek with a two-year-old? Come and find me! (laughs) And they wander around. (laughs) And they come and find you. They don't sit down and go, <laughs> Grandpa's gone again. <laughs> he was here a minute ago. Well, go look for him. No, no, no. What? Everything's horrible. 
When God disappears from your radar screen is not the time to freak into doubt. It's the time to play hide and seek. He wants you to find him. You'll find him if you look for him with your whole heart. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then his, and in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You ever seen these documentaries of these treasure hunters? These people seek and they look and they seek and they look and they comb and they're just... And all we hear about is if they find the treasure. How cool that must be. Yeah, but they were the ones seeking like crazy to find it. Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is like that. Look. Look. Don't get discouraged. Look. The beautiful thing is God has the game rigged. He has it rigged. If you will seek me, you'll find me. Sometimes you'll find him in a place you're not expecting. In closing, it's a great story where Elijah was uh, getting ready to hear from God. And in 1 Kings 19th chapter, verse 11, the Lord said to Elijah, he says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. He says, God's going to come by. God's going to come by. This word came to him, God's going to come by. And he went out there. And he's waiting for God to show up. And it says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Boom! Boy, that sounds like that would have been God, wouldn't you think? But it says, the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. Boy, whoa, now God showed up, right? The Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake comes a fire. Whoa, it's got to be God. God wasn't in the fire. Then it says this. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. And then Elijah heard it. And he pulled his cloak over his face. And he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. He started talking to God. He could tell God was in the whisper. The point is sometimes God comes in ways you don't expect. Sometimes he is in the fire. Sometimes he is in the earthquake. Sometimes he is in the wind blowing and stuff. The point is you're not going to know if you're just oblivious and just focusing on you and your life. Step back. Be quiet. Listen. Seek first God's kingdom. This is how we pray. God, I need you here. We need you there. God, that, that friend of mine at work who's hurting so badly, moving his life. God, my cousin, the doctor says that they're really sick. They're not what's wrong. Help them to find what's wrong. To pray. God, bless our church. Bless our opportunities. Bless our outreaches. Seeking the kingdom of God. Being concerned. Being aware. What can I do? What can I do to advance God's kingdom? How can I get involved in this church? What can I do for God? It's called seeking, seeking, seeking. Jesus says, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, everything else, all the heathens and pagans are running after, will be blessed in your life. God knows you need these things. But seek first his kingdom. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. If you're here tonight and you've never truly had this experience we've talked about where you've experienced God's grace in your life, where you've opened your heart and you've asked Jesus Christ in. We're going to pray a prayer together right now. And as we pray this prayer together, if you will mean this prayer from the bottom of your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life. 
He will forgive you of your sins. He'll give you a new start. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. This is why he died on the cross. His body was broken. His blood was shed so we could have eternal life. It all begins with a statement of fact and a simple surrender into the will of God. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender to you this evening. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. I freely choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And give me a new beginning. Amen. Lord, we're so grateful. We're so grateful that you love us so much. That if we reach out to you, if we seek for you, if we look for you. God, right now, some people are praying that prayer for the very first time, seeking out to you. Lord, make yourself real to them. Let them experience your grace, your forgiveness, your spirit, your kindness. Help us to be aware, all of us, of your presence, of your hand in our life. Help us to be aware. Help us to have an attitude of seeking and putting first your kingdom your concerns. Help us not to get so caught up like the pagans do in all the everyday details of life and be unaware of you. Help us to respect you and honor you in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you for being here tonight. If you, uh, we have a copy of the book somewhere.